Dr. Paul Johnson, the head of Plant Soils and Climate Department at Utah State University, has been kind enough to carve out a few minutes uh, to talk to us a little bit about turf grass, some diseases, and other things like that, and his uh, expertise. He got his bachelor's in horticulture and turf grass management from Iowa State University in 1986. Got his master's in horticulture from the University of Minnesota in 1991 and his PhD in horticulture from the University of Minnesota uh, as well in 1995. Some of his teaching interests have been focused towards sustainable turf grass management and helping students learn about the unique environment we grow these plants in. And it is really a unique environment that we, that we try to push turf grass to grow in. He has a number of awards, including Award of Excellence from the Western Extension Directors Association in 2014, a USU College of Agriculture Researcher of the Year in 2008, and Certificate of Recognition for Research in 2001. So thank you, Dr. Johnson, for meeting with me. I appreciate you taking a little bit of time. Happy to. Well, good. So let's dive right in. Uh, let's actually start with a disease, uh, which is one of the main disease challenges that a lot of these uh, professional turf grass managers face here in, in Utah, in the Inner Mountain West, and that's necrotic ring spot. Become very prominent, spreads a lot. So tell us just a little bit about it, starting with kind of how it appears, how we diagnose it, um, and, and what it is, basically. Sure. Um, it, tip, it typically is, well, it's only in Kentucky bluegrass. That's, that's where we yeah. mainly see it. Um, and it appears as yellow or dead rings or half circles um, in, in the yard. Um, occurs usually late spring in the in in the in the cooler time times of of the year, and then and then somewhat into the summer as well. Um, but and and it tends to spread either eh, well. I'm not not exa ex exactly sure how it spreads, but it does move uh, from lawn to lawn. It's 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 probably the most common turf grass disease we deal with here in in Utah, except for snow mold. Um, but since we don't have a lot of diseases really, this is 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 one that that we do often often <clears throat> have a lot of questions about. Perfect. And is it a does it uh, occur mostly? Does it live in the soil? Is it soil-borne, or does it? Is it something that you know just transferred via leaf blades, or do we know that? I really hate to say for sure because I'm not a plant pathologist, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's it's a it's a soil-borne disease. Yeah. Gotcha. Good. And then you, you mentioned it's most commonly found in Kentucky bluegrass, or only found, Correct. I guess, in Kentucky Correct. bluegrass. That's what I'm aware of, anyway. Yeah, and so. I, I noticed that we're, we're trending a lot more towards blends of grasses versus just the straight Kentucky blue, but obviously Kentucky blue is the most prominent by it's far. Most common. But have they seen, is there like a, a ratio in a blend, like an 80-20 Kentucky bluegrass to perennial ryegrass is, is just really common uh, right now. And do you know anything about, have they, does that express more resistance or is that 80% Kentucky blue enough to kind of cause the same frustrations as a hundred percent Kentucky bluegrass. Yeah. Actually, I don't know the answer to your, uh, to your, your, your question. Um, because we haven't done research looking at different combinations okay. and how that is expressed. expressed. Um, typically though, what I do say is if you, it, the disease does reoccur in, in the, yeah. the same, same location over and over again. And so, 
Um, usually what I've, I've recommended to, to people then is if, if, if they have seen the disease is to, is, is to, to overseed with, with ryegrass, um, simply to, to, to fill in and be, because the ryegrass won't be, uh, affected, it should to take care, care of the disease in that way. Yeah. Okay. But, but as far as an exact combination, I think having the diversity in there would help 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 reduce its 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 influence. Okay, but just as far as I know, there hasn't been any research done on. It's really hard to do blends. that kind of research because yeah. it's hard to get a uniform establishment of a disease like that. Oh, um, that, that makes and sense. And that's yeah. prevented a lot of this kind of work, actually. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Let's see, do you know of any uh, cultural practices, things people can do other than, say, a fungicide or something like that that can help reduce it? I guess, obviously, overseeding with a resistant variety of turf, like perennial mm-hmm. ryegrass, or, or using that in a mix to start. But are there other, you know, things ranging from, say, mowing height mm-hmm. or watering practices, fertilizer practices that, that have shown an impact on necrotic ring? You usually, what the kind of practices recommended is to, is is to control your thatch layer okay. and to keep it to a, a um, to maybe a half inch or a quarter inch okay. range, irrigate properly, yeah. um, not too much, and probably not over fertilization either. Um, but none of those are going to be, you know, rock solid ways to keep it from occurring. Right. So, yeah. gotcha. But maybe ways you could help kind of correct beat the idea. Exactly. All right. So moving on, I want to talk just a little bit about fertilization in general. So it That's is one of my favorite topics. Yeah, it's a good <laughs> one. It's a good one. So it, it, for the professional turf grass manager that's say just getting started or taking over a new piece of turf or something, where should they start in developing? A fertilization plan. What things should they consider, and, and where do they start? Yeah, that's an excellent question because there's so many factors right. in, involved. Kind of the first thing I would say is to get a, a, a soil test. Obviously, okay. that's kind of a good, good way baseline to start. To, to, to start. If you can learn how old the stand is, okay. as as well is important. Um, See, and I'd never heard that one before. That for that, it really comes back to some work that's gone on at. At, at Michigan State University, where they've had a long-term um, evaluation, a long-term study evaluating or observing where nitrogen needs of, of the, 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 the turf and how that changes over time. Cool. Um, early on, as the soil, as as the turf stand is building up organic matter in that site. Mm. Um, it tends to need more nitrogen. But as it gets older and older, and especially after you get about, say, 15 or or 20 years old, um, the, the needs for that nitrogen begin to go down because of, of the of the, 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 the um or or, or or organic matter making a of yeah. available more nitrogen right so the needs go over over, over time will gradually go down 
Cool. I did not know that. That's cool to know. So, and, and, and then third, expectations. You know, what are you expecting out of these areas? Yeah. Is it an area, a lawn that doesn't see a whole lot of use? Is it a commonly used area that has a lot of traffic? Is it something that has to look perfect, yeah. as in an in in athletic field? Right. Or, and, and, and so that also d- d- dictates how much, how much fertilization is often needed. Yeah, the assumption being that the higher the traffic or the better it has to look, the nitrogen fertilization levels will go up. More inputs and the and the more and and possibly um, dictating when you would you you would have 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 those applications done. Okay, and then going back to the soil test, what factors in the soil? Um, contribute to nutrient uptake. So say maybe a pound of nitrogen per thousand square feet on one plot may have a very different effect or showing mm-hmm. than a pound per thousand on a different plot. What what factors in the soil mm. contribute to that? It's good. I'm not a soil scientist, but my, my guess or my feeling is it kind of relates to the um, um, amount of or, or, or organic matter in that site. Okay. Um, and then there's things that we just don't know, yeah. and I haven't really figured out. Yeah. Like I don't. Sometimes there's lawns that they just don't respond much. Yeah, by all and expectations, to be honest, I don't know why yet. Okay. And so there may be other experts you could talk right. to who who would no would who would would have some other other ideas. I'm just learning on that a little bit. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Um, I remember learning uh, back when I was in college um, about MLSA or minimum yeah. levels for sustainable mm-hmm. agriculture. Is uh, that uh, correct? M- 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 actually, it's m- m- minimum levels of sustainable nutrition. Okay, and, MLSN. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how? Explain a little bit just what that is, and yeah. has there been much research as far as turf grass for those? I know they've actually, done a bunch actually, of research. That's yeah. where it's been, and really? it's created a bit of a bit of discussion and some and some and, and some controversy actually. Uh-huh. And that's good. Yeah, that's good. Um, it's different. It's not a soil test uh-huh. necessarily. What it comes from? It comes from California, and um, and a couple other people. But um, what they did, they kind of went backwards in that they. It's a it's it's from a consulting company, and they've done thousands of, of of site observations, and then they also took soil tests, and so they related okay what areas had acceptable quality, and then looked at what amounts of P and K are in that soil, and from and and other 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 nutrients too, but um and so they kind of went backwards okay yeah. what are the minimum amounts we needed typically to have ex- ex- acceptable turf. Okay. And so they, they then they based on okay what's that minimum level needed to have 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 a good quality, and then they factored in 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 a little bit of of a of a of buffer in in there for of for some safety. Okay. Essentially, um, and then and then that's what they've begun to use, and I think it's been pretty successful. Successful, and it's reduced mm-hmm. the applications that a lot of people have have actually put out. Okay. Um, it's kind of been geared towards the g- 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 golf industry, but it, I think it applies pretty pretty widely. Right. Going back to um, we talked about nitrogen. If you were, to, if Dr. Johnson was to give his most general 
view of how much nitrogen should be applied, say, on just your average piece of turf with average traffic, things like that. What, where's a good baseline for some of these people to start as they look at, you know, developing programs as far as how much nitrogen uh, per, we'll say, 1,000 square feet um, per year? Yeah. yeah. It's usually less than people think. Yeah, um, I imagine that's probably true. Um, we usually think turf needs a lot of inputs to survive and to, mm-hmm. and to do, do, do well. And if you're doing other things right, you're you're doing correct watering, you're um, you're cultivating occasionally mm-hmm. if it needs that. Um, really. Uh, for your average lawn here, two to three pounds of N per year is probably adequate. Okay. Maybe on the one to two side. Again, it depends on what you expect out of right. the area. In my yard, I've got a mud of a, of a yard in my <laughs> back. It's got fine fescue. It's got bluegrass. It's got yeah. ryegrass. I'd probably give it about less than a pound a year. Right. And it's okay. Yeah. It does well. Yeah. It's green. Um, it does. I don't ask a whole lot out of it. Right. But it seems to do fine. So for most lawns, I would like to say one to two pounds, actually. But but there's some areas that seem to need more. Right. Like a, and that's typically with the newer, newer the, lawns. Newer lawns, maybe lawns that were established on more subsoil uh, kinds of conditions. Um, it might need more. But again, over time, that will decrease a little bit. Do you think some of that factors into, you know, when I say when we say how much we're putting on, if we're putting on too much, do you think some of it factors into maybe how we're applying that we're doing large chunks at a time? It Could seems be. like, and some people are limited. If they, yeah, if they um, say if it's a a commercial applicator or something, they can only hit that be at that lawn four times a year, and so they tend to put on a lot at a time, and a lot of it is lost yeah. naturally. It doesn't right. really maintain in the soil and, and available for very long. Do you think that plays a factor in kind of how much we end up putting on? It can, yeah, yeah. it can, and the and, and the forms that may be put on too. Um, okay, yeah, you know, there's there's everything from slow release forms mm-hmm. to very fast release forms, and if you and the fast release are 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 often really cheap. Yeah, and that's fine, but if you put on a whole bunch at, at a at a time, you don't use all of that. Right, a lot of it just you know, disappears; doesn't end up it doing any benefit. Mm-hmm. What about um, phosphorus and potassium, uh, particularly here in the Intermountain West? Uh, there's a lot of kind of I hear a lot of different things about how much we should be applying. Mm-hmm. Some say there's there's enough in the soil. Um, how does that factor in? Based on what you've done or have seen, what amounts of P and K typically are in the soil? Do you know? Here in the Intermountain West, I guess I couldn't rattle off a, okay. a hard number, um, but usually uh, they say there's plenty. If you get a soil test back, usually phosphorus shows that usually it's in the medium to high range. Usually there is. Yeah. Even um, I have yet to see. Yeah, I have yet to see phosphorus deficiency yeah. in in turf around the here. The only time I've seen phosphorus deficiency Phosphorus deficiency was on our sand putting green, where yeah. we purposely did not put on phosphorus for years. Yeah. And then I saw some of that. But as soon as we put on a little tiny bit, it, it came was out fine. of it. It came out of it. So I t- 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 totally agree in that everything I've seen, typically the amounts of P and K are usually mm-hmm. adequate or high. Yeah. And so there's really no need to add any more. 
except at establishment. That's about the only time I would. And that's not because it builds roots or anything like that. It just, it get because phosphorus isn't very mobile, um, it gets phosphorus to those new seedlings. Right, where they don't have the root system established right. To, right. to access what's there. But once you have a mature turf, turf is really good at picking out even small amounts. And so you don't need very much at all. And as, as a result, those MSLN guidelines are really low for, uh, for phosphorus. And so you had mentioned, you know, not, not because the phosphorus builds roots. I hear a lot the um, up, down, all around, or nitrogen promotes leaf growth, phosphorus promotes root growth, yeah. and uh, potassium contributes to the overall health of the plant. So as far as the actual functions of those nutrients in the turf, mm-hmm. how, what roles do they all play? And how, I guess, how, how do they all function yeah. together? And what, what really does drive root growth or... What really drives any growth seems to be nitrogen. I mean, the I think think the phosphorus, the misconception that phosphorus is needed to build roots is maybe from that from that reason we put it on for establishment, and okay. then we apply it then to help it develop. But it's act, it's not that it's helping build more roots. It's just making it more available to the small small roots there. Mm. Um, but actually what builds roots is a good nitrogen fertilization program. That's what gives the plant really what it needs. And then does timing play a big factor in that? As timing when you apply nitrogen, can that Absolutely. trigger different functions? So Because the plants do different things over the year. Right. And so what you want to do is when uh, apply your fertilizer when you want to favor the parts of plant you want to you favor. Want to and I think we talked about that before. Yeah. Um, that's why you know the growth cycle of most of our grasses begins in the fall. So they kind of start their right. growth cycle in the fall. They're building roots. They're building some shoots to as 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 well. And so that's the reason it's we tend to focus more of our applications in that late summer, early fall period. Um, homeowners tend to do it more in the spring because after our snow comes off, we want to grow things. But the grasses, what they do then is make flowers. Right. And we don't want to favor that so much. It all goes up, 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 up to those shoots. And so early, applica- early applications of nitrogen just make you have to mow, mow your lawn two or three times a week. Right. Um, if you hold off a little bit later to the end of May or mm-hmm. something like that, that's, it's, it's beginning to slow down. Um, it's, it's not going to promote ex, 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 excessive growth at that time. So it's kind of like a psychological thing that we've gotten ourselves in the back thing. We come out Absolutely. of the long winter and we want to see it. And we plant flowers, we plant other things, and so we want to do turf, too. But really, when it's doing what we want it to do and promote healthy turf... It's at the end of the season. End of the season. Yeah. End of our season. Right. As as we we usually think of it. So follow what the plant wants to do, and then favor that. And then favor that. That's a good good, uh, rule of thumb, to to favor what the plant wants to do when it's doing it. Yeah. All righty. Well, that's about all I had. Thanks again for your time, and... Hopefully we'll do it again soon. Sure. Okay.